Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Story time. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact... You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Once I went out to go to a drive out on our 80 acre land, about half of that land is pure swamp land. The rest of it is fields and pasture. We were doing it on my grandfather's land since we own land, but it is only two fields. We go hunting on this land every year, but we have never done drives. When I usually go hunting I went with my dad, since I was too young to go alone. But these last two years I have become old enough to where I can hunt alone. Say we went on our drive since we now had enough people. I instantly regretted saying yes when my dad asked me if I wanted to do a drive. We live next to an Indian tribe, they are civilized but are known for trespassing. 
That has nothing to do about the story but that's why I instantly regretted it. So we went, I had my 223 caliber in my hands, I was alone, and in the middle of the swamp. It was winter, icy, and cold. As soon as I entered I slipped, it hurt since my back landed on a log. I went on though. A couple of minutes later I hear a voice, it sounds like my dad's but it sounded, weird. I called him on the walkie-talkie, and he responded, talking very quiet but I could still hear the voice, it was becoming louder. I continue on thinking that it's just my head playing games, well I was wrong. I walk forward a few feet and freeze, I saw someone, or something because it sure wasn't human-like. It was very tall and slim, and as soon as I looked at it, it ran, very fast. I ran the opposite way. Told them to get out of there, they did, I called them to regroup and told them what I saw and heard. I never went into the swamp again. But I still go hunting at the land, and never saw it since. This gives me nightmares till this day, and that was two years ago. Could it be a Sasquatch? I am a photographer and I love shooting creepy old stuff in the middle of the night. In the middle of nowhere. I am always alone. One night I am at the old, deserted ruins of a fort in West Texas working on a western series. The site covers many, many acres and is mostly just fallen walls, and piles of rubble. The history of the place includes an Indian massacre, unmarked graves, and other assorted creepy factors. This in and of itself is nothing to me. As I said I do this sort of thing often, and never experience anything like I did that night. As I pulled into the site, I was immediately struck with a feeling of dread, and doubt about the shoot. Just five minutes prior, I was full of excitement and vigor. I had been traveling for hours to reach this desolate place and was glad to be getting close. I shake off the feeling of dread, and toss back a five-hour energy. I had been awake at this point for 20 hours. It was nearing midnight. I gathered my equipment, which consists of a compass, a tripod, camera, and a small light. Oh, also a 30-30 rifle, it's a western series, with a few selfies. I begin walking into the footprint of the old fort. It is a warm night but I am feeling uneasy, I have goosebumps and my short hairs are standing on end. This is an alien reaction for my normally cool demeanor. It is nothing for me to walk through a forest at night, flashlight or moonlight. Anyway, I find a spot I like and start to set up for a shot. I hear a noise. Not a big deal I think. It's just an animal. Seconds later, I hear something that sounds like a whisper. It was muted, even for a whisper. There was nothing to make out. This time I dismiss it as an auditory hallucination, which I know could be likely given the number of hours I have been awake. All this time my heart is pounding, and wave after wave of chills, doubt and dread are passing through me. Still, I have traveled for hours and I decide this is a test of my mettle, and I won't let fear get to me and ruin this shoot. Even though I had determination on my side, my hands were shaking and I could not think clearly. The shots are difficult and require some camera setup, which I could not seem to get right. Normally, I see a shot and instinctively know where to set ISO, aperture, color temperature, etc. Fast forward 3 minutes. 
I get one crappy shot, maybe two. I take a deep breath and walk to another spot. I hear the whisper again, this time behind me. I turn quickly, light in hand, and there is nothing there. Gathering every ounce of willpower, I walk, slowly, to the next spot, whispers in tow. I stop, and I am shaking at this point. I set up for the shot. The whisper has turned to whispers, and they surround me. I am trying to play this off as tricks of the mind due to lack of sleep but my self-pep talk is not working anymore. I reach to press the shutter button, a cacophony of whispers surrounding me, and it was then that I felt very clearly, the weight of a hand on my shoulder. Needless to say that was it for me. Shoot was over and I made haste to my car and got the F out of there. I found a convenience store that glowed like a white beacon in the night 30 or 40 miles down the road. I had coffee and collected myself for half an hour. About an hour later I was in an old cemetery, taking photos, and I was completely at ease. Was it fatigue? Maybe. But none of it carried over to the rest of the night. I won't go back to that fort alone again. I'm a ranger in the National Park Service. I was flipping through your posts while on lunch break and saw a few paranormal ones and missing four on one ones. I am very experienced and have seen many strange things in these parks. The things I cannot explain, I've yet to see anything deemed paranormal or even supernatural in my 20 years of experience. I have seen a number of strange things though, many of them I can't explain, but I always have to be careful of what I label them as, and specifically on paper, that they are natural occurrences if you understand what I'm saying. My husband is also a park ranger, and he has seen more than I have and has witnessed more things than he can explain. Currently, I'm on the east coast and my husband is on the west. We have parks in common and we have parks that are different. I'm also kind of a park naturalist and have been in many places in the parks that most people have not gone to. The thing that struck me the most is that I could not explain was when I worked at Canyonlands NP. I was working at the island and the Sky Visitor Center. It was around the time when Canyonlands National Park was getting a lot of attention due to the status of Dark Sky Sanctuary. I had many people from the public come and ask me questions about how to see the night sky. One couple came in and spent quite some time talking about the stars and planets. The man of the couple, probably around 30 years of age, left for a moment to go to the bathroom. His girlfriend asked, are we close to a skinwalker ranch? I was quite taken aback and replied, we are quite a distance away, probably over an hour's drive. They told me, that's a good thing because they are not what they say they are. I asked her, what are they? And she said they were stalking, manipulative, dangerous creatures, but she could not tell me much more. She acted very strange and very fidgety, almost like a drug addict would while they were feeding. It was very strange behavior but I doubt she was on drugs because she was very coherent, and even though what she was saying was creepy, it wasn't exactly drug talk. We spoke for a few more minutes, then her boyfriend returned, and they left. I still wonder about that encounter and what she meant. It sounded like she knew something. I've often thought about it. I would love to know more about what she knew about them specifically, but I attribute that encounter to a different thing altogether. Again, 
I've been doing this job for well over 20 years, and while I've had some strange experiences like that, I've never exactly seen a ghost or some sort of demon before. In this email, I'll tell you about one more story that I have. So, this is around the same time I was working at night and actually walking back to one of my vehicles, not my personal vehicle, by the way. And maybe about 35 yards into the woods, I heard my name being called by a voice that sounded very familiar. I could not quite put my finger on who it was, but I knew the voice from somewhere. But they were very softly calling my name from in the woods. Immediately, this struck every wrong chord in my body because I knew that whoever this person was did not mean well, if you catch my drift. And how do they know my name? They were clearly stalking me. Something, everything about the situation was bad. I called out to them, showing my light and my gun, demanding they show themselves. I realized once I stopped talking just how quiet the night was. Even the crickets had ceased their noise-making. I quickly backed my way to my vehicle and drove out of there. I don't know what that was or who that was, but I'm glad I did not find out. I hiked through the dense underbrush of the secluded forest, accompanied by my two friends, Jack and Mark. We had embarked on this hunting trip in search of pheasants, seeking the thrill of the chase and the satisfaction of a successful hunt. As we made our way deeper into the forest, our paths diverged, each of us venturing into different sections in pursuit of our feathered quarry. I followed my instincts, trusting my senses to guide me through the thicket. That's when I caught a whiff of something foul, a putrid odor that clung to the air like a festering wound. Driven by curiosity and an indomitable spirit, I followed the source of the smell. The stench grew stronger with each step, until I stumbled upon a clearing bathed in dappled sunlight. And there, before my disbelieving eyes, stood a creature unlike anything I had ever encountered. It was tall and emaciated, standing unnaturally upright on its two hind legs. Its arms were grotesquely elongated, stretching down to graze the forest floor like a gorilla in repose. A crooked spine gave it a hunched appearance, while its face, devoid of horns, appeared deformed and twisted. Moonlight cast an eerie glow upon its gray, almost translucent skin, and its eyes shimmered with a diamond brilliance. My heart pounded within my chest as I raised my rifle, my hands trembling with both fear and anticipation. The creature's gaze met mine, and for a fleeting moment, time stood still. I squeezed the trigger, the sound of the gunshot shattering the forest's serenity. To my astonishment, the bullet passed through the creature as if it were nothing more than a specter, an illusion. It showed no reaction, as though my attack had no impact on its ethereal existence. In the blink of an eye, the creature vanished into the depths of the forest, leaving me bewildered and filled with a mix of awe and uncertainty. When my friends finally rejoined me, I could not contain the urgency to share my encounter. I poured out the details of the strange creature, recounting the sight, the smell, and the ethereal nature of the encounter. Their laughter filled the air, their skepticism cutting through the fabric of my story. They mocked me, accusing me of indulging in hallucinogens or letting my imagination run wild. But deep down, I knew what I had witnessed was real.
As far as the time and place goes, we were down by the river at night, looking for an abandoned car with drugs inside of it. We didn't find any, so we're just cruising back home, top lights off because it's late, and suddenly something darts out in front of our police cruiser from the right side. So, I swerve left to avoid hitting whatever it is at 50 kilometers an hour or whatever the speed limit was at the time. Next thing I know, I've got a face full of bloodied fur and all sorts of smells like somebody's thrown up their KFC gravy all over, same thing over my partner who's driving. When we get out to inspect whatever it is we've hit, we're both just like, what is that? It was an awful stench. We look around and don't see anything apart from the big patch of dirt and bloodied fur or whatever, sorry, I'm not good with visual details, and bits of gore all over the road. It wasn't until recently when I began doing research for this type of stuff at home, I found out what it could have been, a young juvenile Bigfoot. This was a strange humanoid looking creature. This was all that was left of it. Don't laugh, it's the only explanation we can find. The smell that it left behind was horrendous. It was the most musty, stinky stink I've ever smelled. We decided not to tell anybody. We would have been the laughingstock of the entire county. We just stuck with our story and said we hit a large dog. Nothing more ever became of it, besides nobody would have believed this anyway. In 2003 I saw the backside of a huge dog creature. I say huge, it could have just been a really big wild dog in the swamps outside Haines City, Florida. I only caught a glimpse of it and it kind of looked like Scooby-Doo the way it was running. It was about waist high to me and I'm 6 foot 6. The image I have of it in my mind is from the back and it was like a tangle of limbs flying past me within 10 feet. We had just got back from Christmas shopping and I was helping my mom with getting my baby sister out of the car, when the creature ran from my grandparents' backyard which was directly on a causeway in a boating community. My stepdad yells hey! And IT flew past US. It was a blur as it went by. My stepdad got the best look at it before it got moving. He saw its face and all he's ever been able to tell me is that it looked like a big German shepherd. But in a literal 1.5 seconds, I saw it dive across what was easily an 8-foot ravine, both horizontally and vertically, up the hill and over an alligator-infested creek and into the bushes and trees and marshland on the other side. Then we shined a flashlight over there and could only see a reddish-orange glow of the eye shine. There was a street light pointing in the direction of the house plus the porch light and motion light in the driveway there so it made it harder to see when it took cover. I could barely make out a big round head in the darkness, but I remember it seeming high off the ground for a dog. We stared at it for at least a full minute and then it turned away and we went inside. I wanted to keep looking but I didn't want to stand out there alone. True story, maybe not a cryptid but I'm convinced they're real. The world is a strange place. I lived in Mexico. It's a decent part of Mexico, close to the border, minimal crime and it's silent 99% of the time. The issue is that my family couldn't afford a telephone and the nearest hospital was across the border. We were near the beach so the rain would get pretty wicked. My grandmother always told us to run inside when it rained or the owls will get you. 
She then proceeded to lock the steel gate and the solid wood door with four different locks. One day I asked what were the owls? She simple went stone-faced. I have never seen anything but a nice smile or the lip quiver of worry from her so as a kid, my heart sank. She didn't give me an answer. Later that week a storm hit and I played out by the sea. She said hurry. The owls will make you weak to the ocean and take you away. I, being a punk that I was, stayed and splashed some more. She simply started walking away. I freaked out and followed. She was old so she couldn't run but even I had trouble keeping up. The rain hit us and she locked the doors and prayed. I'm sorry. Later that night as we were walking upstairs and I saw something that warped what I thought was normal. Two shadows on the walls. One short and stubby and one long and scrawny, no bigger than a child. Their size didn't make sense. They had such. Small twisted figures and the worst part? I couldn't see them. I could only witness their shadows. I couldn't tell if they were inside or had been locked out. I instinctively held my grandmother's hand and stared to where I thought they were. My grandma moved my head so I looked forwards. The more you see, the more they see you. I slept in her bed that night. To this day I still see twisted shadow figures. Less often sure, but others can see them too. They simply look past the shadows and pass it off as an illusion. I can't be in the ocean for more than 13 minutes without my body weakening. I tried to prove it to some friends and they had to carry me out of the water because I couldn't support my own weight. You can choose to believe me or not, but that secluded part of Mexico? It was the scariest place I ever visited. I have seen a dogman multiple times. The first time was when I was a child growing up in Alabama. My brother and I both saw it. It was about six feet tall standing on its back legs and had a face like a wolf. Dark fur and reddish eyes. Saw it multiple times that summer but never as close. A few years later I saw it peering into my window while I was trying to fall asleep. My parents never believed me of course but I insisted on changing rooms and always kept the blinds shut. The last time I saw one was when I was about 22 hiking with a group of friends. We were about 4 miles from the trailhead and I needed to take a piss. They kept hiking as I am generally faster than them and knew I would catch up. When I was done with my business and turned around I saw the same head peeking from behind a tree. Camping in the Sierra Nevadas a few weeks back when that wildfire was going on up at Wishon. Wake up at 2 am for no reason, lay my head back down and close my eyes until I hear blood-curdling screams echoing through the hills. I'm talking like the kind of sound that you never want to hear come from a human, kinda high-pitched and lots of fluctuation in it, like how your own voice cracks when you're yelling as loud and as hard as you can. This went on for like a minute and a half, two minutes, somewhere in there. So at the time I'm thinking that I'm hearing someone being attacked by a bear or something but I was probably just hyping myself up over what was more than likely a fox or a big cat. But still, that was creepy as hell. Oh yeah and that same night before going to bed I heard twigs being stepped on just outside of our campsite, maybe 20 yards out in the woods. 
I kept listening and when it didn't stop I grabbed a flashlight and waved it through the trees and I could have sworn that I saw something duck behind a tree. But I'm willing to admit that this was more than likely my mind playing tricks on me. I live out pretty far north in Canada, British Columbia. I lived in a place called Prince Rupert for a few years, small population of 5,000 and very wooded also right by the ocean. I was DD for my friends a few years back and we were driving along the highway around midnight. The part of the highway we were on was very wooded, now I was sober since I was the driver. I noticed a figure off the side of the road it kinda looked like a bear but very large even for a grizzly, as we approached this creature stood on its hind legs and looked at us approaching. It ran a few steps along the side of the road then went into the thick forest, my hair was standing on end and I had goosebumps everywhere absolutely shocked. Now my friends were no shape to collaborate what I saw, but I be live I saw Bigfoot. My cousin and I were on our way home from an event one evening, and decided to take the lake roads home because it was dusk and we knew the lake would look so pretty and serene. The particular lake we drove around is still decently surrounded by the woods, so there are lots of dense areas. We were driving past this giant field next to the lake that was lined with trees or woods on three sides when she screamed at me to stop the car and back up. Her scream practically made me jump out of my skin but I agreed and backed up confused. She looked all frantic so I asked her why she made us back up and she claimed she saw some kind of animal but it wasn't a normal animal. She said it was standing on its back legs like a bear and that it was huge and covered in white fur. Whatever it was wasn't there by the time we'd backed up. She's kind of a skeptical person and I'm more of the one who believes in the crazy stuff so seeing her so freaked out had me thinking she definitely had to have seen something. And I knew there was a legend of the Lake Worth monster in that general area that dates back to I think maybe the 60s? So my brain immediately jumped on that. The next time I saw her, we both got on Google so she could see what comes up when you type that in. I'll never forget the way her mouth dropped open. She claimed it looked just like what she saw. This was a few years ago when this happened so I don't know if other people have had any recent experiences or not cause I haven't heard anything. But it's something I'll definitely never forget. I was walking through a majestic redwoods forest in California, soaking in the tranquility and beauty of nature. Little did I know that my peaceful hike would take a dramatic turn, plunging me into a heart-pounding encounter that would leave me questioning everything. As I strolled along the winding path, the forest embraced me with its towering trees and the gentle rustling of leaves. Suddenly, a noise shattered the serene ambience, jolting me from my reverie. My senses heightened, and my heart skipped a beat. Something was approaching, something fast. Before I could react, a massive figure burst into view, sprinting at an incredible speed. It was a Bigfoot. In those fleeting seconds, the enormity of the situation struck me, and fear gripped my every thought. My rifle, resting casually on my shoulder, was now a stark reminder of my vulnerability. It remained there, untouched and useless, as the Bigfoot swiftly disappeared into the depths of the woods. 
The encounter happened so abruptly and unexpectedly that there was no chance for me to raise my weapon and defend myself. The realization sent shivers down my spine. But what perplexed me even more was the reason behind the Bigfoot's panic. What could have scared such a creature? Its wild sprint through the forest conveyed a sense of urgency, as if it was fleeing from something relentless. The creature seemed completely unbothered by my presence, as if humans were inconsequential in its world. My mind raced with questions. What unknown danger had crossed paths with the Bigfoot? Was there a larger threat lurking in the depths of the forest, unseen and menacing? I couldn't help but feel a mixture of awe, curiosity, and deep unease. I saw a shadow person one night while driving through the country. I was going past my aunts on my way home from a friend's house. As I'm driving down the hill, my headlights cast enough light off to the side for me to see her llamas. I could see the color of their fur and tell them apart from each other. This is important because if I could see details of these llamas to the side of my car without direct light on them, then I would have seen any texture on what I saw right in front of me. It was just solid black, no texture, nothing but a very tall black silhouette with extra long arms, and the glowing reflection in the eyes from the headlights, the same as you'd see with an animal at night. It looked towards me then walked into the woods that were on the other side of her road. I lived at a boarding school for dyslexic boys in Northeast New York. I snuck out one night to meet another student who had offered to smoke me out. We made our way through the frozen night to underneath a bridge where I got the feeling that he did not invite me there to smoke. We sat in the dead silence of the night underneath that bridge and did not smoke. I recalled that he had expressly told me that he had a goal in life to kill somebody. When I think back on that moment I get the feeling that is why he invited me out that night, but he did not go through with it. Not my story by my brothers. We're both our avid hunters and backpackers and between the two of us we've covered a lot of ground. I personally have never found, seen or been in a strange situation, other than the feeling of being watched. Anyways, my brother was backpacking in the Tetons or Glacier, I can't remember which, with his then-girlfriend. They were at a designated campsite one or two days down the trail they were hiking. They didn't see anybody when they arrived or later that night. They had turned in for the night and were both laying in tent talking. At this point my brother had to get up and find the designated toilet for twos which was probably a little over and one-eighth of a mile down a trail from where they had set up camp. Using a headlamp he made his way down the trail and found said toilet. Finished, he started to make his way back to his camp. He noticed strange tracks on the trail that he said were definitely not there on the way to the toilet. With a headlamp on your view is usually fixed on the ground when you're walking, so I doubt he would have missed them. The other tracks were also on top of his tracks that were heading to John. The strange part is that these tracks were human handprints. No other markings on the ground other than his boot prints and these handprints leading down the trail almost the entire way to his camp. Then he said they just stopped. He, and his girlfriend heard absolutely nothing. Needless to say neither of them slept much that night. 
They never saw anybody at the campsite, even after leaving in the morning. This story is completely true and if anybody wants more details I'll be happy to ask him tomorrow. Sorry for making it so long. Solo distance cycling through rural Minnesota a few years ago, probably 40 miles from anything except cows and corn. Midday, I stop off in an old family cemetery plot in the middle of nowhere to drink Gatorade and smoke a bowl. Sitting stoned in the shade and taking a moment to relax, I distinctly smell cigarette smoke, I don't smoke tobacco. I am alone to the horizon in every direction and I turn it around and there is a full cigarette smoking in the overgrown grass right behind me. I know deep down there was probably a rational explanation but I choose to believe that some lonely old farmer ghost just wanted to chill in the shade and have a smoke with someone. I've spent the last year traveling and working around the outback. One night in far western Queensland I was driving between two towns, about 360 kilometers between the two and being Australia there is sweet F all in between, when I spotted a headlight coming the other direction. As I got closer it appeared to be only a single headlight so I assumed it was a motorbike. And then I drove underneath it. I nearly shat myself I was that startled. I jumped on the brakes and swung around, got out of the car about 100 meters down the road and walked towards it. This pulsating light about 20 feet above the ground and about 30 centimeters in radius. Being probably the only human being for 50 kilometers in the middle of the desert at 11.30 at night I will tell you it freaked me the F out. I recounted the events to a bunch of locals the next day and they said it was a known phenomena known as the Min Min, and as far as I'm aware there is no real scientific explanation. Ever since then oncoming cars became a lot more interesting. A friend of mine is a diver and told me of a hideous moment he had once while alone in the darkness. He was employed to collect sponges around a reef at night somewhere in Australia. Him and his friend would set off in opposite directions round the reef and meet in the middle. One night he was making his way around when his torch started to stop working. He proceeded to start banging the torch on his hand to try and stir new life into the batteries which was making the torch flicker on and off. Eventually the torch turned on for a brief moment, just long enough for him to see a large shark, staring at him from a few feet away. Then the torch switched off again, leaving him in pitch black. I used to hunt in AWMA and had a trail that was the best for any hunting. It was my go-to. Deer, turkey, hog, you name it. One afternoon during deer season, I decide to go further down the trail than I normally do. As I get further down, I start to feel like I'm being followed. I chalk it up to just being alone in the woods and letting my mind play tricks on me. Finally, I find the spot I want to hook my climber to. So I make my way through some pretty thick brush and get to the tree. I hook up and climb and get comfortable. About 15 minutes later, I hear whispering. It's so faint I can't make out what is being said. Then I hear footsteps so I get as still as I can be. When I hunt in a climber I like to camo the F up so I'm covered from head to toe. 
Then I start to hear the voices getting closer and I can make out what's being said. It's two guys talking and saying did you see where he went? And then another voice responds and says just keep looking and be ready. They finally come into my field of vision and it's actually a group of six guys. All armed but dressed in regular clothes, clearly not out to hunting. Luckily, they have no idea I'm in a climber and they aren't looking in the trees. They don't say anything else but continue down the trail looking around and pointing their guns like they're ready to shoot the first thing they see. I don't know what their plan was but I got the F out of there before I could find out. And I started hunting in a different part of that WMA after that. Hunter slash mountaineer here. It was a chilly December morning. I hiked in, pre-dawn, taking about an hour and a half to go three miles off the beaten trails. Got to my nest about half an hour before sunrise and started to settle in. The wind kicked up and a fog rolled and that was thicker than milk. Within Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. A few minutes, my visibility was five. I'm sitting tight, huddled up against the freezing wind when I start to hear twigs snapping close to me. For no apparent reason, what is normally a rapturous sound indicative of an imminently successful hunt, sent a frosty chill down my spine. I chambered around in my lever action 30 to 30 as quietly as I could, and lay flat on my back tucked against a fallen tree. The rustling was moving closer through the fog, but I couldn't see anything. The sun was starting to peek over the mountains to my east and visibility was starting to increase. The rustling of twigs and leaves was sporadic, sometimes directly in front of me, sometimes behind or beside me. I remember laying there, rifle across my chest, thinking to myself how silly it was to react like such a coward. I rationed with myself that bears and mountain lions are a rarity where I was and I had likely stumbled into a herd of whitetail that had bedded down. I decided to sit up. The rustling stopped immediately. As it was fully dawn by now, I was looking through the fog for the outline of my prey, which I had assured myself was literally all around me. It wasn't. Seemingly, nothing was. By now, the fog had faded away and it was apparent to me that I was alone in those woods. I hunted all that day without seeing so much as a squirrel. Around 3 in the afternoon, after fighting the wind and an abnormally cold day, and not wanting to hike out by flashlight, I decided it was time to start back to the truck. Walking out of those woods was the most uneasy I have ever felt. Lawfully, once you make it back to the trail, you're supposed to clear the chamber of your rifle. Not that day. What is normally a stroll through the woods, I undertook with the seriousness of an animal being stalked. I would walk, then stop and listen. I never heard or saw anything during my retreat, but I could feel eyes on me. I was about 100 feet away from my truck, when I rounded the last corner and saw, 
hanging at eye level from a tree by a noose, a stuffed bear in a blaze orange jacket. I'm a giant, broad-shouldered outdoorsman, but that one shook me something fierce. Well I'm a trucker and a lot of my routes take me through Indian reservations. I won't sleep on a reservation unless it's a truck stop anymore because of this. Short story, but I was about 30 miles east of Tuba City, and was shut down for the night as some potent gas station in the middle of nowhere. I had just started to get into my book when all of a sudden I hear what sounds like people hitting the outside of my truck with open hands everywhere. It's on my roof, 13 foot 5 inches about, my walls, the back of the sleeper, sides of my sleeper. I grabbed my buoy knife and bolted out my door ready to scare some kids. There was nothing. The ground was dirt and a little wet, but when I looked at the ground, there were no footprints, my truck was dusty but there were no handprints. That was one of the scariest things that's happened to me on the road. So like I said, if I'm on a res, unless there's a truck stop, I will not shut down. I was stationed at Fort Irwin National Training Center, an army post not very far from Death Valley in the Mojave Desert. It was a pretty big post with family housing and such, so not quite secluded. I was Air Force, attached to a direct air support unit at Fort Irwin. Our maintenance compound was on the edge of the post. Our actual shop was fairly secluded. I had stayed late at work one winter night. When I shut down the shop, I turned off all the lights and stepped outside. There was a winter overcast thing going on, with so much cloud cover sitting so low that it was almost a fog. No moon, no starlight. And since there were no exterior lights in this area, it was extremely dark. It was so dark that I had to sort of feel my way to the car. I had to feel the door to find the keyhole for my key. This was back in the early 90s, and I had an older car without the automatic door lock. Of course it didn't help that I had stepped out from a brighter area into the night, so my eyes hadn't adjusted yet. I just didn't think it was a big deal, as soon as I got into the car, started it and turned on my lights, everything would be fine. So I got into the car, shut the door, put on my seatbelt, and started it up. I then turned on my lights. There, in front of the car, sitting peacefully, alertly watching me, was a coyote. Looking around, I see another three or four coyotes staring at me, lounging around like they were in their living room. I had walked right between two of them to get to my car. I jumped. I may have squeaked a little grunted in manly concern out of surprise. I stared at them. They all stared at me, in a sort of bored interest. Then I put the car into gear and went home. From then on, I brought a flashlight to work, just in case. I was about 8 years old when I went camping with my mom and her boyfriend at the time out in Central Florida, between Tampa and Daytona, just a bit more south. We set up a fire and had hot dogs over the fire. At about 11 am my mom, after having a few glasses of wine, decided she was cold and being eaten alive by mosquitoes and decided to go to her tent and sleep. I asked for my own tent so I set up mine from my mom's about 20 yards away. 
Fast forward about four hours later, I'm woken up by thick or heavy footsteps by my tent. I figured it was my mom or her boyfriend going to the bathroom so I didn't think anything of it. Until I heard more. More and more I heard footsteps near my tent and I laid motionless. I was absolutely petrified. There was about four sets of feet pounding the dirt inches from my tent. The fire was out and it was a pitch black night. And then I saw two lights. One was red and the other was a flash of white. Not like a picture, more like a blink or a strobe that was cut off. The red light stared directly at me, like it knew exactly where I was. After what felt like four hours, the sound of the steps faded off and I hauled ass to my mom's tent to wake her and my boyfriend. The most startling part was the morning after. My mom woke me up in a flurry and we left the campsite early in the morning. Everything was almost packed and was shoved into our Bronco. She never told me why. As a retired police officer, aged 58, I returned home with my wife on April 18, 1996, in Wamuran, Queensland. Stepping into our house, a peculiar smell of sulfur filled the air, catching my attention. Intrigued, I began investigating, but found nothing visibly out of the ordinary. Meanwhile, my wife proceeded to the main bedroom, turning on the lights in the hallway and the bedroom itself. She then made her way back towards the living room at the other end of the house. Curiosity getting the better of me, I followed along the hallway, approaching the spot where Jenny, my wife, had just passed. Suddenly, I walked into an area enveloped in an intense coldness. As I reached out to touch it, a strong electrical current surged through me, causing me to stumble backward in shock. Overwhelmed by a sense of revulsion and fear, I quickly retreated to the entrance of the hallway, attempting to regain my composure. Jenny, curious about my experience, ventured along the hallway herself and encountered a similar phenomenon. Undeterred, I gathered my courage and made another attempt to walk down the hall, only to be met with yet another jolt of electrical discharge. Jenny and I discussed the situation at length, repeatedly trying to pass through the area but encountering the same electrical discharge each time. Throughout this ordeal, a presence seemed to linger at the southern end of the hallway. Our toy poodle sensed that something was amiss, and I noticed that when I gazed down the hall, the guanine at the back of my eyes reflected a strange bright orange color instead of the usual vibrant green. The presence of this entity emitted a sensation similar to static electricity, causing goosebumps to erupt on our skin. The area where the entity resided was exceedingly cold and discomforting. Direct contact with it drained us of energy momentarily and made normal breathing difficult. Later that evening, at around 8.30 p.m., our son Adrian and his partner Petra arrived. Eager to investigate, Adrian entered the hallway and experienced the same electrifying discharge. By that time, the entity had moved approximately 8 meters, now positioned at the northern end of the hall. Petra, who was heavily pregnant, encountered the entity, feeling as though she had been brushed or lightly struck, but, thankfully unharmed. As time passed, all four of us had multiple direct encounters with the entity, which seemed to move with purpose throughout our house. Petra's encounters were less intense compared to the experiences of the other witnesses.
At 9.30 p.m., the entity forcefully ejected Adrian from a chair. Jenny had a severe accidental direct contact with it, momentarily becoming trapped within its grasp. She displayed visible signs of distress, struggling to breathe, an elevated pulse rate, weakness, and disorientation. We checked the surroundings of the house but found nothing unusual, except for a column of warm air at the southern end. Throughout this period, no discernible traffic or external sounds could be heard within or around the house. Adrian later had another intense encounter with the entity, after which he and Petra decided to return to their own home. Around midnight, we witnessed a ball of light energy pass across the screen of our television set. An independent witness confirmed seeing a massive orange light suspended above our house at precisely 12.20 am. A neighbor reported that her house trembled and shook during that time, while telemetry from the water storage reservoir across the road inexplicably crashed and then restored itself. We also heard loud clicking sounds in groups of three, repeatedly resonating throughout the house. In the days that followed, some of us developed symptoms resembling radiation sickness, including severe headaches, flu-like symptoms, sore eyes, and joint pain. Three of us experienced chronic and permanent tinnitus. Furthermore, I noticed a brown pigmented stain on both of my legs and a circular mark on the top of my left foot. Several rocks in our garden showed signs of energy impact, with one even exploding into a fine powder. A candle had melted selectively, separating the stearic acid component and crystallizing it. Moss on the concrete path exhibited burn marks, and two small sections of the path appeared to have melted or glazed. Additionally, two of the witnesses, including myself, began developing substantial psychic abilities. The events that unfolded within our home during that time left us bewildered and forever changed, haunted by the mysteries of that night. I had a normal upbringing. Parents are still married, went to church on Sundays, had a dog, picket fence, all those things. I did a little marijuana in high school, I rarely drink, and there is only one reported case of a mental illness in my family. When I was 12 to 13 years old, I remember having a very vivid dream where I was sitting in my living room watching TV while watching TV, which in my dream I was viewing myself in third person. Something made me want to look out through the dining room and out through the large sliding glass door into the backyard. When I turned my head, it was completely dark outside, and then in almost a comedic way of film. This giant moon slid up from below the horizon, like from the 9 to 12 position on a clock. The moon was enormous, almost filling the sky and was brilliantly white. As I sit dumbfounded in my dream staring out the back window, something pulls my legs out from under me. While I'm sitting on them on the floor. This startled me but while in my dream I am still staring at the moon this voice from what I can only assume was in my head said, it's almost over. This frightened me horribly. So much that I woke up hot and sweaty only to find my bedroom door partially open with a small, dark figure closing the door and saying without moving his mouth don't tell. I don't recall really any of the small humanoid's features. I just recall him being about two feet tall and seeing the figure's darker than gray complexion and nothing moved on its face when I heard it speak. 
Even to this day this incident is one of the most vivid memories that I have. Seeing your photo of a reptile man was nearly like pulling out a photo of my head from that past memory. I mentioned nothing of this occurrence until it just a few years ago to a close friend. I never even told my wife. While I went off to college, came back home, got married, had a couple of kids and just over a year ago bought my parents' house. On and off since the encounter, dream or incident, whatever you would like to call it because I don't. I get this feeling like I'm being observed. Not the kind of being watched where you are sitting up at night unable to sleep. And you feel like someone is watching you through the window. More like something is waiting for me as I walk into rooms and sitting in the car with me while I drive to work. This was only in small increments and I never felt it to be constant. But since moving back home, I am feeling it more so. My son is the fun age of five and recently started talking about some guy he met here at home named Kyle Fokker. He tells my wife and I that he has seen him all over the house. Yes he is a child, with an imagination. But while giving him the 20 questions over his new friend I am rattling my brain on what TV show, commercial or movie he could have come up with this, and so far have come up with nothing. While that is going on I was in the kitchen just a week or so ago talking to my mom and for some reason I felt compelled to look the other way and I saw a dark figure. This figure that I saw had an upside down triangle for a torso and a rectangular block for a head. When I turned to look I could tell that it looked at me because while my brain was trying to comprehend what I just had seen. I could see that the block head sort of rotated and proceeded to take an immediate left and zip its way through my stairs that go up to our bedrooms. From everything that I know, no one has died on this property. My grandfather that lived with my parents and I, at my current location, for a few years while from the time I was six. Until I was in high school became ill with Alzheimer's and later passed away having a complication from a stroke at a hospice center but I am afraid partially for my sanity but more for my family. Although no one has been hurt in any way, I can't help to think like a father or husband and want to protect my family from any possible threat. But my issue here is that what the hell am I dealing with? Possible alien thing, spirit, mental illness, or all of the above? Am I seeing one thing and my son is seeing something else? It was dead in the middle of winter and he was working on a camp on a remotish island in the Boundary Waters, far north of Minnesota. On this island is a bunch of different cabins, some for sleeping some for storing things and one which housed the dining area for the camp. On the one phone on the whole island my dad received a call from the sheriff from the nearest town. Granted this town is miles away and across a frozen lake and through miles of forest. The sheriff told him that there was a call for 911 coming from the phone that my dad was talking to him on. He talked to the two other people that were also working up there at the time both of which were on the opposite side of the island. After checking around to see if there was anyone else there he went to loom through the other cabins and found nobody. He always tells me that was the only night he slept with a loaded shotgun next to him. I hunt but I have two stories from the same spot and I wasn't hunting during either of them. My family was camping in a canyon in southeast Idaho. This location is accessed from northeast Utah. 
I was about 7 at this time so that would have been around 1981-ish. We were on a family camping trip and it was about 9 at night and we are all hanging out around the fire. I remember this part because it was so weird. All of a sudden my dad looks at my mom and in a hushed voice says get the kids in the car now. My mom was caught off guard and said what do you mean? And he said back get the kids in the car now as fast as you can. Well my mom was mad but started telling us to all get in the car so we all did. After we were all in the car my dad hoped in the driver's seat and we backed out of the campground and drove 1 hour and 10 minutes home. Leaving everything we brought at the campsite including the fire burning, I know this is bad but this was the 80s and I'm sure none of us had our seat belts on either. The next morning my dad and uncle went back up and loaded all of our stuff up and brought it home. Okay so no flash forward to about 2003 and I'm talking to my older brother about this camping trip. And I asked him why did we leave that night. Well come to find out we were being watched by. Well something. So as my dad was sitting there and he was looking at a line of bushes about 20 yards away, he watched a head walking back and forth behind these bushes. Here is the kicker. The bushes were about 6 to 7 feet tall. I guess my dad watched the thing for about 30 to 60 seconds before it turned its head and looked at us and he could see the two eyes reflecting back at him because of the firelight. It scared him so bad he made us all go home that second. My brother said he never did say what he thought it was, he just knew it was large and tall. 2. Same spot as camping trip from 1. It's about 1995 and me. My friend and younger brother are camping in this same spot because we were going to go fishing the next day. Remember I did not know about why we left this spot until years after this. It was about 2 am and we were all sleeping when down from the canyon to the east of us came the low scream. It wasn't like a woman's scream, it was low like a man yelling but that's not even a good description. And the reason I know it came from the east was we woke up to it and as I was saying what was that? It screamed again. We did not sleep much that night and we all put our handguns in our sleeping bags with us. Edit. Also that gut feeling people described above is something I have had many times there. I don't think I have been back there since I found out why my dad left. Not from being scared but more of I don't live by there anymore. It was a crisp morning in June 1980 when my friend and I decided to embark on an adventure to visit our friend's newly constructed lean-to on Snow King Mountain near Jackson, Wyoming. Little did we know that this journey would take an unexpected turn, forever etching an encounter with the unknown in our memories. As we made our way up the mountain, excitement filled the air. We relished the opportunity to explore the wilderness and soak in the beauty of nature. However, our enthusiasm quickly turned to trepidation as we stumbled upon something that defied all logic and reason. There, amidst the towering trees and rugged terrain, we came face to face with a sight that would forever haunt us. A hairy, man-like creature stood before us, its massive frame reaching a staggering 12 feet in height. Long, dark hair cascaded down its hunchbacked form, with arms extending almost to the ground. Fear gripped us as we stared into the creature's simian-like face, which seemed as large as a stop sign. Its heavy breaths filled the air, 
accompanied by a haunting moaning growl that sent shivers down our spines. We knew we had encountered something truly extraordinary, something that defied our understanding of the natural world. Instinctively, we turned and ran, desperate to escape the presence of this mysterious creature. To our dismay, it pursued us relentlessly, never relenting in its pursuit. We could hear the creature's eerie sounds reverberating through the trees as we sprinted, hearts pounding in our chests. The chase seemed never-ending, our adrenaline-fueled sprint blurring the boundaries between reality and the surreal. It was as if we had stumbled into a realm of myth and legend, where the lines between human and beast were blurred. Finally, as our strength waned, we reached a streetlight near the Ramada Snow King Inn in Jackson. Gasping for breath, we dared to glance back, hoping to catch a glimpse of the creature that had pursued us so relentlessly. And there it stood, under the flickering light, a specter in the night, before it vanished into the depths of the surrounding darkness. We staggered back, our minds reeling with disbelief at the surreal encounter we had just experienced. Rushing to the local police, we shared our tale, knowing deep down that few would believe the magnitude of our encounter. The memory of that day still lingers, etched into the fabric of our beings. We were forever changed, forever aware that there are realms beyond our comprehension, where creatures lurk in the shadows, challenging our notions of what is possible. Though the world may scoff at our story, dismissing it as mere imagination or trickery, we know the truth. We crossed paths with the unknown, with a creature that defied explanation, leaving us with a profound sense of awe and an everlasting curiosity about the mysteries that lie hidden in the depths of our world. When I was like 9 or 10 years old, my mother and my grandmother, we all went on a picnic out in the country to this lake. It was getting dark and we decided to leave. My grandmother took the wrong turn and she didn't realize it. We were traveling down this dirt road for a long ways. She realized that we had gone the wrong way and we pulled up to this driveway. By this time it was night and there was a glowing pillar that we noticed off the side of the road. It was like a bluish white pillar and we started driving up closer to it and I remember my mother started screaming, back the car up exclamation mark comma and she started beating her hands on the dashboard and we could see that it was an apparition of a woman and it was drifting towards the car. And so we got the heck out of there. All three of us seen it. I, as the witness in this unsettling incident, consider myself a level-headed and respected individual. It was upon returning home that I noticed something peculiar, a bright green, coin-like circle hovering in the air above the refrigerator. Initially, I dismissed it as a portable flashlight accidentally left switched on by my wife. However, when I inquired about it, she denied any involvement. My gaze returned to the mysterious green light, and to my astonishment, it seemed to be growing in size and intensity. Suddenly, the object began to move, performing intricate circular motions as it flew around me in a bewildering trajectory. Heat emanated from the light, accompanied by an eerie whistling sound. To my disbelief, the green light expanded further, transforming into the shape of a human-like head. Overwhelmed, I feared that my sanity was slipping away and turned my face to the wall, seeking solace in prayer to Allah. 
Despite my fervent prayers, when I cautiously glanced over my shoulder, the image persisted before me, a humanoid form covered entirely in dense fur, resembling an ape. It stood tall, with powerful shoulders and a muscular physique. Its single eye, positioned in the middle of its forehead, emitted a penetrating red beam, akin to that of a flashlight. The entity lacked a neck, and its head sat squarely atop its robust frame. As the intruder began to float just above the floor, advancing towards the room where my children were peacefully sleeping, panic surged within me. Hastily, I rushed ahead of the entity, reaching my children in time to shield them with my own body. In that harrowing moment, I found solace in prayer once again, beseeching Allah to protect me and my precious children from this hairy monster. The creature floated towards the bed, briefly covering us before picking us up and swiftly placing us back down, unharmed. It then retreated, standing motionless at a distance from the bed. Though the humanoid did not make any threatening gestures, I trembled in sheer horror, hiding my head under the safety of the bed sheets, continuing my earnest prayers. Soon thereafter, the doors creaked and a loud slamming sound echoed through the apartment, awakening my wife. Her presence confirmed the reality of the encounter, as she, too, attested to never experiencing any hallucinations. The memory of that night plagued me, the fear of the creature's return and potential abduction of myself and my children lingering in my thoughts. Eventually, we made the decision to move to another apartment, seeking solace and distance from the haunting events that had transpired. As my wife and I drove through the rain-soaked isolated area, a peculiar sight unfolded before us. It resembled an accident scene, with numerous flashing lights casting an eerie glow. Intrigued by the commotion, I instinctively slowed down, hoping to offer assistance. As we drew nearer, what we initially mistook for an ambulance revealed itself to be an object resembling a large soda can, lying on its side, propped up by three peculiar legs. Its creamy color took on an otherworldly appearance, accentuated by a vibrant red halo encircling it. The air buzzed with flashing lights emanating from the enigmatic craft. Caught up in our fascination, my wife suddenly let out a blood-curdling scream, jolting my attention away from the object. I turned around to see two figures approaching our car, their presence unnerving. These beings, best described as bug-like, boasted heads reminiscent of praying mantises. Yet, their bodies retained a humanoid form, encased in bluish-gray jumpsuits. Fear gripped us as the unimaginable came into focus. Driven by terror, I, armed with a gun, instinctively reached for my weapon and discharged two shots towards the road, hoping to create a deterrent. The sudden commotion seemed to startle the alien figures, compelling them to retreat hastily toward their cylindrical craft, which had landed nearby. Realizing the gravity of the situation, I floored the accelerator, the tires screeching as we raced away from the unfolding scene. As I glanced back in my rearview mirror, my heart sank. Additional humanoid figures, resembling the ones we encountered, gathered around the craft. Their numbers grew to about nine or ten, standing as silent sentinels, while the object remained motionless. We could only imagine the secrets it held. 
It was a sight that defied explanation, one that etched an indelible mark of disbelief and fear upon our souls. The craft, however, offered us no answers as it stayed rooted to the spot, concealing its mysteries from our bewildered gazes. We escaped its presence, but the encounter left us forever questioning the nature of the unknown, forever wary of the potential truths lurking beyond our comprehension. As I stood atop the Neolithic mound on that crisp, clear afternoon, accompanied by my husband Philip and our eight-year-old son Edward, I anticipated a moment of tranquility and awe. However, my solitude was abruptly shattered when I spotted a group of people approaching the site from the northwest, traversing the adjacent field. At first, there appeared to be around five individuals, with one smaller figure leading the way and the others forming two pairs. They marched purposefully towards Belasnap along the field boundary, dressed uniformly in dark, grayish-black attire. Their pale, oval faces peeked out from beneath pointed hoods, their features translucent and ethereal. They drew nearer, only a few hundred yards away, and my disappointment grew. My attention momentarily wavered as my son Edward demanded my attention. When I looked back towards the approaching group, a jolt of surprise coursed through me. More figures had emerged, joining the procession. I urgently informed my husband, emphasizing that there were now hundreds of people coming our way. Impatiently, I urged him to hurry, for at least a dozen of them seemed to be purposefully advancing towards our location. These new arrivals seemed to materialize from the shadowy recesses of the overhanging evergreen trees and bushes, nestled between the two nearby fields. Every figure sported a hood, maintaining a steady pace behind the smaller leading figure. From my vantage point, I deduced that the front figure must have been a child, approximately 12 years old, as they stood only half the height of their companions. Curiously, I could not discern any part of their bodies below knee level, as if they were wading through long, pale dead grass that obscured their lower limbs. They marched in unison, closely hugging the hedge line, never once turning towards their companions. Despite their vigorous stride, they appeared to remain in the same position within the field. Their progress towards the long barrow seemed halted, as if they were traversing a slope, descending into a ditch before ascending on the other side. Growing annoyed by their intrusion, I cast one final glance in their direction before deliberately turning my back and making my way to the opposite end of the mound. Yet, to my disturbance, as I reached my destination, they seemed even further away than before, persisting in their resolute advance. I rejoined my son and husband, the latter having completed his photographic endeavors. However, to our surprise, as Philip climbed the mound to take a look, we discovered that the group had vanished without a trace. A sense of unease settled within me, leaving me to ponder the enigmatic encounter. What had transpired on that ancient mound, and where had the hooded figures vanished to? The memory of that day, the inexplicable march of the silent procession, remains etched in my mind, forever a reminder of the mysteries that dwell within the folds of time and space.